This is the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sleeper Hole Podcast, where there's no disqualifications on the topics and falls count anywhere. I am your host, Priest, and we are kicking this off. I know it's a bit of a difference here because, you know, normally we would have been scheduled last week, but we're actually shifting things to start this week and then continue on every two weeks, just like we normally do, because last week was a bit of a hectic week. We had a lot of things going on personally, not to mention we had a tragic loss in our wrestling world. As we lost China, you know, she, like I said during my little episode about her, was quite the revolutionary woman. She was incredible. She was beautiful. She was the intercontinental champion. She was the women's champion. She was the first woman to ever enter into the battle royal, um, she or Royal Rumble rather. She, she was just amazing, and she was the first wrestler whose book I read. I, I had other options out there, but that one really grabbed me. The title right there on itself was If They Only Knew, which made me go, hmm, if they only knew what? So reading that book, it really gave me a lot of insight to her life. If you haven't read that book, do yourself a favor. Check it out. You'll get a whole new perspective for China. I know there's a lot of things that have changed after she left the wrestling career, but who cares? This woman did a lot of amazing things, and still to this day, I say she deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So, China, we'll miss you, we love you, and I do hope that you are resting in peace and looking down upon all of us and seeing that not only is our love for you, but we're going to make sure that what you paved the way for carries on when it comes to the women inside the square circle. Now then, with that getting said and done... We are going to talk a little bit about what our next series is going to be, which is going to be all about, well, plain and simple, it's going to be about matches. There are tons of different matches in the wrestling world, and we're going to just skim the surface. We're going to talk about some of the standard ones. We're going to then break down into some of the more complex ones. And so we're going to make sure everything is going on and make sure that we do try to touch base a little bit on everything. But before we get to that, we got to first understand what goes on in a match. I mean, yeah, we know a person comes and another person comes in and referee has to officiate and tell them to ring the bell and yell and bark orders at them and try to make things work. We get that. You see it on TV all the time. But what are the rules? What are the standard rules? What what goes on in a match? I'm not going to break it down into, you know, high spot, low spot, high spot, high spot, low spot, finishing spot. No, we're not worried about that. That's all on the back. We're not going to try to get too much into that because each different match is unique. Each company does their things a little bit different. Some people don't even plan it out. It's just all completely impromptu besides maybe the decision, maybe not. Who knows? What we're going to break it down to is just a simple common rules first. So without further ado, let's start this off with 
the rules of the game. Alright, the rules are pretty simple on the general standards. We all know that in order to win a match, you have to either pin them down with their shoulders on the mat, one, two, three, or they have to submit where basically they're going to tap out and basically say they give up because you're putting a hold on them or something that's too painful. There's another way of winning, which is known as technical knockout or TKO. Basically means they don't respond to a 10 count, or another knockout form is kind of a submission. I, I call it a submission. I know some people like to argue that. Um, that would basically be when you turn around and you put them like in a sleeper hold, <laughs> one of our favorite holds here, and they're non-responsive. They seem like they passed out. The referee raises their arm, and the arm drops three times. If it drops fully three times, it's considered that they are knocked out, and they lose via submission. Well, I believe it's via submission. It's been a long time since anybody's ever lost by a sleeper hold, so they really don't talk about it much anymore. But people like Sergeant Slaughter were really good at that. Um, Hot Rod, Roddy Piper, he was really good about that, too. Anyway, so there's other rules that go into a wrestling situation. Um, the one main thing is you don't want to be disqualified. And disqualified basically can happen in many different forms. One is if you have somebody interfere or run into the match, even if it's your manager and they get caught, and they are aiding you in the fight, aiding you in the match, and attacking the other opponent they're attacking the other person, and they get caught by the referee. The referee will then usually waive the match due to disqualification. You will be disqualified. The other person is declared the winner. So you really don't want that. I mean, disqualification also can be done by the use of foreign objects. As we've seen before, people like to use chairs and other items, and normal matches that would result in a disqualification. There's a lot of other factors, but they've kind of starting to get a little bit more on the softer side, but those are the ones that still kind of stand firm. Uh, over the top, um, this is actually a retired stipulation. It used to be that if you threw a wrestler over the top rope and onto the outside, that would also pretty much qualify as a disqualification. You would lose because that's considered high endangerment. Uh, that was way, way back in the day. Just like way back in the day, they really didn't like when people got onto the top of the turnbuckles and did any high flying. It was considered too risky, too dangerous. Thus why there's still, in effect, the five count that the referee does, um, where basically, you know, he's doing the one, two, three, four, break it up, break it up, break it up. That is pretty much a thing of that. You, you, you can't keep them cornered in the turnbuckle, and you're not supposed to be up there over five seconds. Now, granted, they don't really enforce that. They do the whole break it up, break it up, and it still carries on. It's just to build the hype more. They've kind of really became lenient on that. Um, outside the ring, this is another deciding factor. You have ten seconds to get back inside the ring once you are out. The referee will count. Now, it used to be 20 seconds in some places. It also used to be that even if you got out of the ring, came back in, and the referee was still counting the other guy, and you got back out, 
the count wouldn't restart. That's something that's relatively new in our eras. Um, a wrestler can easily roll back in, hack part of his body, gets past the bottom rope, and then he rolls back out, and the referee has to restart the 10 count. It used to not always be that way. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, a lot of things have changed when it came to the 10 count, and I think it's mainly because they want to keep the suspense, they want to keep the hype, they want to keep the drama. I can't really blame them, but it's it's there. Let's see, there, there was... You know, issues with... Oh, man, there's just so many things that they have done. I mean, it used to be that blading was very frowned upon. And blading basically is when they would use, like, a small little razor blade or something and make a little nick in their forehead to cause themselves to bleed heavily. Something that Ric Flair is known notoriously for. Um... You know, that was really a big-time frowned-upon thing. Then it became really popular back in the Attitude Era and post-Attitude Era, and now you don't see it as much currently. Now, granted, it does still happen, but they make it definitely seem a lot more severe, like with, you know, Roman Reigns breaking his nose or other stuff like that. So it does happen. It's not as much, but it is there. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things, and it's really that the rules have evolved. Um, one thing also, going back to the counting, the 10 count, I do want to mention that, um, again, with the outside the ring count, as well as for TKOs, where they count to 10, if you pay attention, the count to 10 and the count to 5 are different. And what I'm talking about, watch a video or something. If the referee is counting to 10, either when the people are down or when the people are outside, it's a lot slower than if he's counting to 5 at the ropes. You know, at 5, he's, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Okay, that doesn't even seem like it was a full 5 seconds, really. But if we go to a 10 count... It's going to be, let's see here, we're going to go one, two, three, four, and that's even fast. Usually it's one, check, check, two, check, check, three, and right there. That was probably about three or four seconds between the two and the three. So, really, even though the 22nd outside the ring rule has been waived, it kind of still happens. It just doesn't seem like it. So, just a little things for you guys to catch on to and notice. I'm not sitting here trying to rat out the business. I'm not hitting here, sitting here and saying, hey, let's reveal all the secrets and make it not fun, because the magic is still there. Anybody who tells you that is a dirty, dirty liar. I, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I still believe in the magic of wrestling, my job, as you know, yours truly, Priest, is to sit here and let you guys know these things. I sit here to enlighten you, to bring forth so many wonderful things, and to have fun. Because whose side am I on? The side of entertainment, and my job is to entertain you. So, that's pretty much, in a nutshell, the very base standards of rules. There's a few other things, basically. Um, one that we'll get to is involving the tag teams and how that has to work. There's other rules for, you know, 
cage matches and whatnot, but those are all special rules. Uh, the tag match rules are not so special, if you will, because tag matches are kind of standard, but they are unique to the tag division. So we will get to that in a little bit and see what happens. But that, that's pretty much your core rules, your core things to always look out for when it comes to your everyday common matches. All right, people in Springfield, Illinois, listen up. And also for all of you who decide to come and visit Springfield, Illinois, if you're ever hungry and you want something that's quick and delicious and not just one of your typical run-of-the-mill burger joints like McDonald's and all that, go ahead and check out this place called P&P's Little Grill. If you want to try to find it, the best way you can is just remember to go on the corner of Sangamon, and Peoria Road, look for the Thornton's Gas Station, and it'll be right next to it. It's this little white building. It's called PMP's Little Grill, or Lil Grill, rather. And let me tell you, I've had so many different things from there just trying out for their food. It's all good. But if you ask me what my favorite is, their burgers are great, especially the one I just had recently. It was a nice Chuck burger. It had hash brown and egg on it. It was incredible. And of course, the melted cheese. You gotta have cheese on it. I don't care who you are. Cheese is always the best. And then, of course, like I said, they got good fries. They have a little Phillies. Those Phillies are great with that place. So, if you're ever ready to go to a wrestling show in Springfield, or you're just living around the area and you want something good to eat... Go to PMP's Little Grill and check this out. And make sure you're paying attention to this. This is the important part. You go there and you tell them that Priest from the Sleeper Hole podcast sent you and you're going to get 10% off your order. You heard me right. You just mentioned my name, Priest, and the Sleeper Hole podcast and you're going to get 10% off your order. Again, PMP's Little Grill off the corner of Sangamon and Peoria Road right next to Thornton's, right across the street from Walgreens. Check them out. It is going to be worth it, I promise you, and you will be thanking me. If you're not thanking me, your stomach and your tongue will. I can promise that. Now then, speaking of matches, let's break it down here. First of all, we have the Everybody Knows Singles Match. Singles Match is exactly that. It's one-on-one pretty much follows the core rules, the core standards. There's nothing too big and fancy about it. And it really goes to however long the match now goes. I mean, granted, there is usually some type of hidden time limit, but we don't know about it. It used to be back in the day, you would know right away this match is scheduled for 15 minutes, for 30 minutes. This schedule, this match is scheduled for one hour. I mean, they would let you know what how long to expect. I don't know if they did that because that way if you really weren't interested you knew how long you had to get to the bathroom and get back or what, but it, it was what it was. And that's just how the old days were. Um, so really there's not much to brag about when it comes to a singles match. We see them every day. They're very common. They're not really what you can call cookie cutter because people are really revolutionizing, revolutionizing their moves, their attitudes, and everything else. So I'm not really going to say that. I'm just going to say that you're guaranteed almost any show you go to, you'll see a singles match. 
Now, granted, there are certain shows, like the one we're going to be advertising here in just a moment, that do actually go beyond that. They don't always have a singles match. They they may be special where they're nothing but tag or they're nothing but gimmick matches. I, I've seen that. I mean, back with the first company I was working with, they were pretty notorious for almost every match, singles, tag, whatever, was known as a hardcore match, which meant that weapons were allowed, which means that there was really no DQ. But, I mean, we're going to get to those gimmicky matches later on. We're not worried about that right now, but that's just a skimming of the surface for you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tag matches. I am a huge fan of the tag division. I love tag team matches. I love them because I like to see that chemistry established between two people. I always joked that... If I was to get inside the ring, I would be in a tag team division more than anything. I would try and do singles, because I think I could do a good job at it. But I like tag. I like having that simple mindset of working together with somebody, keeping it fresh, as well as the fact that you can pull off a lot of cool moves in a tag team division. Um, As I was saying, there are special rules for tag team. One thing is that when you tag your partner... Um, it used to be that you had to have hand-to-hand tag, you know, like you were giving each other a high-five or a slap or whatever. But that's changed now where you just can tag any part of the body. So no big deal there. But once the both of you are in, you have technically five seconds that you can do some type of double team before the former person who was the legal man, which is the person who is officially supposed to be inside the squared circle, has to leave. So... With that being said, you see a lot of cool double-team moves, and you see things like, um, for example, The New Day, who like to do where they keep that five-count fresh. They'll do what they have dubbed as the Unicorn Stampede, to where they basically are tag, stomp on the person in the corner for almost five seconds before they tag, and they keep it fresh. Because what what that does is not only can they keep two people in there at one time if they want, like they do when they finish that off with, but they're keeping that five count in the corner fresh from where they can't get disqualified. So you do see a lot of unique things like that. Um, the other thing is, if you were to tag your partner, you have to be in your respective corner, and you can only go as far as the rope that is tied to the turnbuckle allows you. Now, granted, you can keep yourself full arms width away from it and be holding on to the very tail end of that rope and still get the tag. That usually doesn't happen, but it can be done. You just have to make sure you have a hold of that rope or you are at respective distance against that turnbuckle. So even if you're like right next to the turnbuckle like most people are, you don't have to hold the rope. The rope is just to show the referee that you legally are at a fair distance if you do kind of go further than you're supposed to. Um, you'll see a lot of times where... the uh, wrestler will march back and forth on their side to try to get the fans riled up and everything else, and they'll be like, hey, 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 get back to your corner. That's why. They don't have that rope. Tag team kind of breaks down into a few different things. Um, One that's normal is, you know, just a two-on-two, sometimes it's three-on-three or whatever. It's an equal number. And, or even number, equal number, I guess is actually a better phrase because three-on-three is two odd numbers. But you have equal participants on each side. A tag match normally consists of two versus two. 
So that's going to be a regular match. Besides the whole tagging extra rules, everything else is standard like it would be in a singles match. The only other thing is if you're getting pinned or submitted, your partner can try to run in and save you by breaking the pin or breaking the submission by attacking the other the person who's doing the, uh, the pinning or the submitting. Or a submission hold, rather, I guess you would say. However, usually when that happens, the referee will bark orders at them to get back in their corner and everything else, but it's kind of a common okay type of thing to do, I guess you could say. There's the tornado tags. Tornado tags are pretty much just, hey, it's a two-on-two match, but we're not going to have to worry about you tagging each other in and out. You don't have to worry about tagging in your partner. You're both the legal man, just like your opponents both are the legal men, and at any time, one of you guys could pin the other, and it could count, so you gotta not only be ready for the guy that you're going up against while your partner's taking care of the other person, but you gotta keep your eye uh, looking around and being careful to make sure that your partner's not getting pinned or submitted, and you don't need to go save the day. It's a very tricky type of match. Another one, and you really don't see much of this unless it's for special reasons, or like Survivor Series is elimination tags, where once your partner gets pinned or submitted, they have to go back to the back of the locker room. You're still going to keep going until there's nobody remaining on your team. Uh, those are few and far between, unless they're Survivor Series-like style. But I kind of like those. Those are some ones that are kind of fun because you really get to see the uh, the true grit of it all, if you will. The other one that is a tag one is the intergender matches. And these are where it's a man and woman as a tag team versus a man and woman. And these two have special rules. Outside of your normal tag team rules, these two have special rules because if you are a man going up against the other team, you can only wrestle the man. If he tags the woman in, you have to go back and tag your respective partner, the other woman, tag her in, so it's now woman versus woman. Very rarely, and I emphasize this, very rarely is this not the case. The only time, really, that you've seen that this is not the case is with China. Again, rest in peace. We do miss her, but this is something she, again, paved the way for. So, it's huge. It's rare. But the intergender matches, I personally don't really care much for them. I, I know that they can be really interesting and build a good storyline, but they get so boring so quick. Because nine times out of ten, they pair it up with people who are just the valets, the managers, and they have some quick little prima donna feud. It's not like having truly trained, truly known for being in the ring women in there such as, you know, if it was Tyson Kidd and Natalia versus, I don't know, let's just say um, Santino and, I don't know, I can't even think of her name right now. Let's switch it over to CM Punk and AJ Lee. There you go. That's a good team right there. So, I mean, it's, you know, that's a rarity. Or, you know, Naomi and... uh, I believe it's Jimmy Uso is her husband. I could be wrong. It might be Jay. I can never tell them apart. I like them both equally. They're both awesome. That's the beauty of being identical twins. Anyway, the point of the matter is intergender matches usually don't work well. They usually end up flopping. 
So it's not one of the most popular choices out there. Let's see here. Other type of somewhat common matches you have are like the triple threat. And triple threat is basically what it sounds like. One against one against one. Three people in the ring in a free-for-all type style. Um, these are the spare backbones of any odd number matches. Like Nowadays you'll see a five-man match or a seven-man match. Pretty much what it boils down to is this. You have all the same rules you would normally have for a singles match, except there is no disqualification. If you are in a submission hold and you reach for the ropes, the wrestler who is putting the submission hold on you does not have to break the hold. So, yes, they can grab that chair and use it. Yes, that person can keep you in the sharpshooter even while you're grabbing a hold of the rope and screaming bloody murder for them to let go. That's the only big difference. The only other difference is, again, you have to really keep one eye open to your surroundings because at any moment somebody can sneak in and steal the win or they can easily knock you out of the match, take out the other guy, and take the match as a win, which really could be difficult if you are the champion because in these type of matches there is no such thing as a champion's advantage. What is that? We'll get to that here, right after this message. Springfield, Illinois, listen up. April 30th, the day before WWE's payback, you need to go to Lanfear High School and check out PWA's Toga Steve Memorial Tournament that's going down. Last two years, it's been singles matches. This time, they're doing tag team matches, and I'm telling you, just from what I kind of know about the different teams that will more than likely be in there, this is going to be awesome. So if you've got a good plans of just sitting back and doing nothing, change them. If you don't have any idea what you want to do, here's what you're going to do. You're going to drive on down to Lanfear High School on the 30th, and you're going to check out Penfall Wrestling Association's Toga Steve Memorial Tournament and you're going to have yourself a great time. So what is the champion's advantage? We know this is something that's very important as well, and I'm glad that we are actually getting to this point, because it does involve all these matches that we are talking about. It normally applies to singles or tag. It does sometimes apply to the other rules, not as often, because the champion's advantage really does rely on a few key factors. It relies on the rule of not allowing any form of disqualification to go into effect. So basically, anything that would constitute to you the disqualification of a match, that will actually be part of the champion's advantage. If the, anybody's counted out, that's part of the champion's advantage. Interference, which is again disqualification, champion's advantage. So, what is this advantage I talk about? Well, let's put it into examples. You're the champion. You have the title. And you don't want to lose it. You know the odds are against you. And you are willing to do whatever it takes to keep your precious belt. Sound like a bit of a heel, huh? 
Well, that's because most heels use the champion's advantage. The champion's advantage is like this. Even if there is a disqualification in the match, even if that disqualification means that you are the loser of the match, because it was a disqualification, or even if you were counted out of the ring because you were counted out and not properly pinned, submitted, or knocked out, the person may win the match that's not, you know, that's the challenger, but they will not win the title. So, you're in the match, you're going on there, and you have your buddy come in and attack the other person to where the referee waves the match and gives the challenger the victory. Eh, fine, the, vic- the challenger gets the big W, but you get to keep the gold. You get another match, the same person, they get another shot at it because they were they were robbed from their chance. You're like, okay. You guys go in the match, and you decide that you're going to take this fight, and you're going to keep it outside the ring to have the 10 count. Or you even decide to walk away and allow the 10 count. Okay, well, you walked away while the person was in the ring. It's a 10 count. You lose the match. But because they didn't pin you or make you submit or even knock you unconscious in the middle of the ring, you still get to keep the title, even though they get the big W. Again, they were robbed. They were screwed out of it. There's a lot of unique things that can happen here. You use a foreign object. You're disqualified, but you keep the belt. These are things that commonly happen and that you'll see a lot of heels use to their advantage. It's more of a heel's advantage than it is the champion's advantage, but it's called the champion's advantage because of the simple fact the belt is on the line. So you'll see this a lot. It's, like I said, very much commonly used with the heels. Every now and then, though, you'll see it where a face will have the champion's advantage going in its favor, you know, they're fighting, they're, they're being honorable, they're being noble, and they get jumped by the challenger and his gang of hoodlums. He gets to keep the belt, but they made a statement. They knocked him down. They beat him down. What does that do that builds a hype, that builds a storyline to where that good old baby-faced champion is like, you know what? I'm going to take you all down. You think you can keep kicking me down? I'm going to get right back up, and I'm going to be like a real champion and take you all down. We've seen this before. We'll see it again plenty of times. It's not as frequent, but you could almost say it's kind of what you're seeing with Roman Reigns right now in the WWE. Even though I have my theories on that, but we'll get to that at the prediction panel. You've also seen people like John Cena have this situation happen. So it is plausible for the face to have the champion's advantage, it's just not as often used as it would be with a heel like the one who's most known for it, Ric Flair, or even Hulk Hogan, when he was known as Hollywood Hulk Hogan. So, champion's advantage, it's a great thing. Does it always make the fans happy? No. Nine times out of the ten, it will make the, the fans livid. But that's just how the game is played. It's how it keeps the storylines interesting. So there you go. Now you know about Champions Advantage. Let's move on to two more type of matches for this episode, and then we are going to make sure we definitely touch on more later on, but let's keep this carrying on, my wayward son. Yeah, that was a terrible pun. The next match I want to talk about 
is often called a four-way match. I try not to use that phrase because, like a lot of people, even though I'm an adult, I still will giggle like a little school kid because, hee hee, they said four-way, hee hee. So I like to use the phrase fatal four, which is what it normally used to be referred to on a frequency. Try to say that a lot. Fatal four frequency. That's a tongue twister right there. Fatal four is pretty much a simple match. It's just like a triple threat, except for now you have four contenders. Again, just like the triple threat, you can have this be with more than four. You can have it be with six or eight. But usually with this one, it's an even number because that way you don't have a chance for that one person to easily sneak in a win. Everybody has a person they can pair up with. It's like in basketball terms, they'd call it man-to-man coverage. You're going to have where each person has an equal person to go up against. These are usually pretty interesting. Um, Again, like a triple threat, they can really have a lot of unique things happen. Nine times out of ten, you're going to have the same rules as a triple threat where the ropes don't matter and they can use foreign objects. Sometimes that does change. In a Fatal 4, sometimes if they use an item, it will result in a disqualification. I have seen that happen, but usually that will be more of a disqualification where they are ejected from the match. They are eliminated from the match, so it's kind of cool. So, with that being said, your Fatal 4s are usually pretty neat, and they usually are like a triple threat, just plus one. Uh, One of the good ones, I would say, is check out a lot of the stuff with the Divas, or as we're now back to being called the Women's Division. In the past couple years, they have done this, and they've always done a great job. Hats off to them. And the guys have done it before, too, but... I don't know. I think the women are really stepping up their game, just like NXT has stepped up their game. So I kind of lean to praising them a lot more. That's just me. The last one I want to talk about is a battle royal. A battle royal, a lot of people will think of this as your Royal Rumble because a lot of times a battle royal is an over-the-top type match where you throw them over the top ropes, both feet hit the floor, and they are eliminated from the match. Yes, that is usually how it works. However, I have also seen some battle royals where it is... And usually battle royals can be constituted as six to however many people. That's when they really get to more of a detailed thing. Because I have seen battle royals like a six-man where they do have it where it's elimination style by pin or submission. And sometimes it's in or out of the ring. It's very much... uh, Battle royal is very much a customizable type of template, I would say. Like I said, you usually have six or more. I've never seen anything more than 30. And you can make the template. You can make it very customizable. Does over-the-top with both feet hitting the floor count as elimination? Maybe, maybe not. Is it going to be through pin or submission? They can say that maybe, maybe not. They can even make it where it's over-the-top until the very last two, then they must pin or submit. I've seen that. Those are really cool. You also have it where sometimes it's plain and simple, you know, where six people are going at it, and like I said, the pin and submission could happen 
inside or outside the ring. That's why they have multiple referees, not just to keep track of what's all going on, but so that way they can make sure that, you know, if these people are over there watching this and refereeing that little corner and somebody comes over here and pins Jim Smith, you can make sure to be the officiator and go one, two, three. So, Battle Royals are very customizable, and I think that's one reason why I really enjoy them. I, I do get ty- kind of tired of the fact that Royal Rumble likes style, where it's the over-the-top, both feet must hit the floor. That's became more of a filler space. And I know you've probably heard that if you were paying attention to some of the prediction panels, because I know when we had um, Derek Moss and Seamus McNelson on here, it was brought up. And I know I agree with them. It, it has became a, oh, we still have ten minutes? Well, let's fill it up with a battle royal. No, guys. That that kind of defeats the magic of it. Just add another singles match in there somewhere. Or make something extend and try to keep the hype up. Pe- people really need to stop with the battle royals being overused because it has lost its luster. Uh, like I said, I would love to see another battle royal where it is a six-man falls count anywhere type of match because that's really became more of a rarity. That's became more unique. Or even if they do want to do over the top, fine. Do over the top, but then when it gets to the final two, they cannot do over the top. They have to pin. They have to submit. You know, make it where it's like that. Keep it unique. Keep it fresh. So, that's just my little rant about it. I know I'm going on a big tangent here, and I do apologize to all you fans, but if I didn't share my passion, if I didn't share my thoughts, I would be nothing more than a huge liar to you guys and feel like a hypocrite, because I want to stay pretty much as transparent as I can with you guys and let you know not only my thoughts, but what I do research, what I do discover, and, you know, I want to share this with you guys, so if you have thoughts about it, too, you can shoot it back to me. Because we, as fans, we, as viewers, have an awesome power of letting our voices be heard. You know, I know people don't think that. They think that, oh, well, you know, you hear everybody cheering in the WWE Universe, and for for longest time, they would do exactly opposite of what we wanted. Well, yeah, they have to keep that heel physique. They have to keep that image. But if you notice, gradually over time, things tend to go the way you want. Or you end up with somebody like what we have right now with Shane O'Mac. Things are going to go the way you want. So it's all various results. But the thing is, there would be no wrestling company no wrestling show if it wasn't for not only the hard working talent but the devoted fans like you and myself who watch who cheer and let our voices be heard so that's why I do this I have gone on a way tangent here more than I thought to all because of the flipping battle royal see what happens ladies and gentlemen you all got me going. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to blame you guys for this. But seriously, Battle Royal can be awesome. These are a lot of great of the standard matches. The ones that we covered here. We covered, let's see here, five basic styles of 
wrestling types, or match types, rather. I mean, we haven't gotten to the gimmicky ones. And we have still tons to go through. We we talked about, you know, the different unique tag ones. We gave the champion advantage. We even talked about the different rules. I think this is a pretty good start here, guys. So, yeah. The, welcome to the lovely uh, series for matches. And trust me, you'll probably hear one of your favorite matches, because I know I've been doing a little bit of research on this. And if you ask me, nothing's better than going through them and saying, Oh, do you remember this? Or comparing what people think are their favorites and why. So with that said, here's a quick commercial, and then I got a very important request for each and every one of you. Are you enjoying the Sleeper Hole podcast? Do you want to show your support for what we're doing here? Well, I got the thing just for you. Go to our website, www.thesleeperhole.com, and check out our newest link that we now have added. It is our shop and it's going to be, right now, it's just with Cafe Press, but we are planning on expanding to a lot of great things coming soon. Trust me, I'll be talking about them later on. But go ahead and check it out. We've got different outfits. We've got different items that all have not only our logo, but our brand new The Fallen Angel design, which was drawn by yours truly and designed by yours truly just for all you fans so you guys would have something unique and awesome to show off. Even if you don't want to, you know, worry about promoting us, you can't go wrong with that shirt. That shirt is awesome. And you're going to have people checking out going, man, where'd you get that? And who knows, even if you do wear one of our regular shirts, you're probably going to have a few people who are listening to this and be like, hey, I know that podcast. There you go. You get to meet more fans. You get to communicate. You get to have a lot of good time. So again, you want to show your support? You're loving what we're doing? Well, we would love for you to support us by wearing either our outfits or having some of our different stuff, like we have the glasses, we have the dog tags, we have pillows. We have a whole bunch of stuff on there. So again, www.thesleeperhole.com and then check out our link that says shop. I promise you, you're going to find something that will be right up your alley. Okay, so before we wrap up this episode, like I said, I have a very important request from each and every one of you. We're talking about matches in this series. I want to know, what is your favorite match? Now, if you want to be specific and say, oh, well, I liked the match of John Cena versus Rusev with the strap match in the four posts where they had to touch all four corners, fine, go ahead and say that. I'm okay with that. But what I'm mainly asking you is, as a fan, when you hear that there's going to be a certain type of match being shown, it's like, oh my goodness, that's my absolute favorite. Oh, I can't wait to see this. It's it's a gem. It's a rarity. What matches make you smile? What matches make you go, this is awesome, and I can't wait to see it? So I want to hear from you. You know how to get a hold of us. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Facebook, it's pretty simple. It's just www.facebook.com backslash sleeperhold podcast. Or even just hit us up on Twitter with at sleeperholdcast. You can get a hold of us there. Or even just when you get this podcast episode, 
on our website, www.thesleeperhole.com. When you click on the link to get this podcast, right there is a comment section. You can easily make your comments right there. I want to hear from you guys. What is your favorite type of match? We're going to make sure we highlight them, but I want to hear from you because I love to hear your reactions. And I love to give shout-outs to you guys because you guys are awesome. You're phenomenal. You're great fans. And I am so glad that you are here listening to our podcast. So right there, that's what I have to ask of you in a nutshell. Go ahead and make your response. I'm going to be keeping my eyes open for it. And we're going to make sure that we really rock out this series with a lot of great matches. We're going to definitely give some examples for these gimmicky ones, but we definitely want to make sure we talk about them because a lot of them have evolved and have been really awesome. Thank you for listening to the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at thesleeperhold.com, comment on episodes, read our blog, find information about our quarterly charity, and more. See you next week.